Hey, this is Matt from Star Tours. You're listening to the Mousecapades Podcast. This is James from Hollywood Studios, and you're listening to the Mousecapades Podcast. This is Amanda from Disney Junior, and you're listening to the Mousecapades Podcast. Hello, this is David from Star Tours, and I just helped a Nick's son build his very first lightsaber. Hi, this is Marcos over at Star Tours. I don't listen to podcasts often, but when I do, I listen to Mousecapades. Interested in becoming a travel agent yourself and helping others plan their next Disney vacation? Interested in learning more about Surge 365? How to get paid to travel, make $1,000 bonuses, or just simply want to book your next Disney vacation with Disney professionals? Well, Dream Makers at Two Tickets to Paradise Travel are ready to help you make your wish come true. Contact travel at two tickets to paradise.net. Don't dream your life. Live your dreams. Have an idea, question, or want to share your experiences on the show? Contact Nick and Dave anytime. Email them at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Text them at 407-674-0414. Follow Nick and Dave on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Listen to Nick and Dave on iTunes, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio. Simply search for Mousecapades Mousecapades Podcast. Now, from the Mousecapades Studios, here are your hosts, Nick and Dave. I'm gonna be a noble king, scrupulously fair. I only need a little time, perhaps a Super awesome thing Oh, I just can't wait to be king Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that entertains that space between your ears. You are listening to another episode of the Nick and Dave Mousecapades podcast. That's right, Nick. I've been out on hiatus the last couple weeks, took a little family vacation. So did some research for the show, and I'm happy to share it today. Today's episode is all about my trip. Uh, I fit into two days what most people probably take a week to fit into. So I'm excited to share what I did. And then uh, at the end of my trip, I did a little reconnaissance work and just checked out a couple of the resorts and uh, downtown Disney area. But first, Dave, let's get into some rumors and news. Hey, you know, I've been watching uh, this Periscope app, you know, that I've placed on my phone and my tablet and every other device that I have inside the house. I know a couple episodes ago I was telling you how it just completely drains my battery because I'm constantly watching Disney uh, scopes from individuals from all around the world. Yeah, it's a pretty addictive app. I've been watching it a little bit myself lately as we bring our summer to a close here and head back to school. Uh, Last night I watched the fireworks show Wishes from the uh, Magic Kingdom. Did you, did you get a chance to see the uh, Amphi car that got stuck at Downtown Disney? Or, excuse me, I should say Disney Springs. Did you, did you catch that? Yeah, my family has a little controversy on what the name of this place is because everything that we see still calls it Downtown Disney. I know the name is changing and everything, and they do have a few signs up that say Disney Springs, but overall, I'd say most of the people still call it Downtown Disney. So I wonder when that official name change is coming. You didn't answer my question. Though. No, I know. I was getting there. So we, uh, on our on part of our trip, we went to downtown Disney slash Disney Springs and saw the Ampha cars and just commented on how cool it would be to grab one of those babies and take it out for a ride. And I did see what you're talking about on the news, uh, the Ampha car that got stuck, right? Yeah, the Ampha car that got stuck. You know, it, um, 
they kind of corralled it in with some paddles and held it next to the dock. But uh, these cars are slick, and I and, and tell me if you saw them while you were there. They lo- actually look like a, an, a real car. I know a couple months ago we reported on this when they when Disney released that they were going to have an amphi car, and I kind of thought maybe like the old World War II ducks, you know, maybe that's what they're going to be like, like in Branson, Missouri. But it is, that is completely it's completely the opposite because these cars are sick they're amazing looking it's a legit car that floats yeah they look like sports cars the old classic sports cars that you see they're even smaller than a car they're almost like golf cart size maybe somewhere between golf cart and regular car size and we we wanted to take one out but then we realized how much they cost to actually rent did you get a number on that Yeah, they cost about $120 just to ride for only, count them, one, two, three passengers. That is it for $120. I don't know about you, Dave. That is crazy. I would never spend $120 to ride in an amphi car to go around the lake. I would rather spend that money inside the parks or something else on my kiddo. Yeah, that's nuts. There's a lot of things, though, if you book through Disney, uh, they give you the vouchers for buy one, get one on Putt-Putt, or I would like to see an Amphicar rental included in that package because I would do definitely do it then. Do you think, uh, let's stay on topic real quick with these Amphicars, they are pretty slick, don't get me wrong, they look absolutely amazing and it would be extremely fun to ride inside an Amphicar at Disney Springs, but don't you think that 120 price is just too steep? Oh yeah, you're never going to get me in one of those things at that price. However, it would be super cool to be uh, driving in an Amphicar, have it floored, and then just hit the water like crazy. Yeah, they're pretty slick. So if you haven't seen those, go ahead and uh, jump on Google. Go ahead and Google Amphicar, Disney, uh, you know, Disney Springs, whatever. But uh, yeah, man, the car got stuck. I'm sure they took care of that person, uh, you know, with like discount on tickets or something like that or gave them a free ride. I don't know. Maybe Disney did not because I've seen them do, you know, either or. But uh, $120, not going to do it. All right, moving along. Um so I want to get back to the story about the the three women that were in that altercation at Test Track inside Epcot. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I got to tell you, I was there that night, and my daughter and I were standing in line for Test Track eh, around 7.30 or so, I'm, and I'm trying to figure out exactly what time this happened because we had to have just missed it. Yeah, it took place uh, right after you create your car, Dave. You know that area when you go in that room, you create your car, and then you exit uh, straight on to the other room into the lines. Yeah, definitely. That's a cool place. That's yeah. That's that's where that's where it took place. And I have to say, you know, Vicky came on our show uh, a couple weeks ago, and we discussed this. You know, I just have to talk about this again, guys, because it just really irks me the way that. Uh, uh, well, I should say two of the women handled the situation. They had children, Dave, and small children. I would place one in about in first grade, the other one I would maybe third grade, uh, maybe fourth. So anywhere from the ages of six to, to ten. And here's a great opportunity for these women to mentor these children and and show them how to conduct yourself when you're confronted with confrontation. Yeah, that's exactly what you should do in that situation. But, you know, these people, they spend a week at Disney and they they hit it hard for all that time and they get frustrated and everybody seems to get a little frustrated with the people, whether it be a cultural barrier or just rude people out there. Uh, Something happens to people and you can only take so much. And I guess these women got past their breaking point. 
Yeah, I, I okay, yeah. You put it that way, and I did mention that uh, on that episode a couple weeks ago, that everyone does reach their breaking point, because I've always said, if you want to test your relationship with your spouse and your family, take them to Disney or Disneyland, spend a couple days there, and then see where you're at within your relationship. Hopefully you have a healthy relationship and you're just fine at the end of vacation. But a lot goes on. It's a hurry up and wait mentality, just like the, the military is. And yeah, I could see where you could get into some words, you know, not so nice words being thrown at each other. But man, to take an umbrella and to beat another person down in the face with it just totally uncalled for. Yeah, I'm not making excuses for anybody. There's absolutely no reason you shouldn't get into that kind of a thing. And like Nick said, use it as a mentoring lesson. Use it as a lesson for your kids that this is how you handle something with grace. And that was not shown there. And being teachers, here's the example. You know, that's the example that uh, that mother just set for her children. Okay, Dave. So when we take the kids out on a rainy day and they have their umbrella with them and they don't like... How fast or how slow the person in front of them or behind them are walking? Are they just going to now hit that person over the head with the umbrella? Guess so. If that's what their parents teach them. <laughs> so anywho, it just really irked me, and I've watched that video a few times. I'm just like, geez, come on, guys, and and get this, Dave. That family was not even kicked out of the park. That's a whole separate story in itself. Yeah, that's the thing that I thought was the most wrong about the whole thing, is that these these two sides could get out, meet each other somewhere in the park later, and do the same exact thing somewhere else. So I thought that was just crazy, that, that there were absolutely no repercussions for either of these women. It was on the news all over the place, at least in the Orlando area when I was down there. So I don't know if it reached the actual news here in our area, but it, if it's newsworthy, you probably shouldn't be allowed to stay in the park. And I, I just can't believe that's the standard that Disney has set now. They have set the standard now, Dave, that you're allowed a mulligan, plain and simple. You're allowed to get into an altercation, a physical one, hit someone with an object over the head, and not even get kicked out of the park. That, to me, is just just crazy. So, so Disney, uh, shame on you for not kicking them out, but the cast member, great job on how you handled them. All right, moving along. A few episodes ago, uh, no, excuse me, a, a few months ago, Dave, um, we had talked about the expansion of Disneyland, and we talked about how we caught wind that Disneyland had purchased two plots of land out in Anaheim and that they were going to expand, but... The next question was, where are they going to expand, right? Because there was just really no land uh, of a significant size to purchase behind Disneyland. Uh, but uh, rumors are that they're going to be expanding with this land, you know, with the acquisition of Star Wars and Marvel, that people are putting two and two together and they're speculating that two new lands will come to Disney's Cali- excuse me, Disney's California Adventure, Star Wars Land and Marvel Land. I remember that show when we talked about this in the first time and we related it to the St. Louis project and how there was nowhere to go to the side so they were just going to maybe take on a second story to the park and we were just kidding about that of course but yeah it looks like they're expanding and who knows what's going to happen with it hopefully it's not just a parking lot Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to see what they do here and, and with those new acquisitions the limits are I mean there are no limits to this project at all. So, yeah, I wonder if they're going to increase parking in that area as well. If they do that, I would definitely see, like, some sort of parking garage going on. Maybe something like you see that's being built in downtown Disney, or excuse me, uh, Disney Springs. Well, you know that when you visit Disneyland in the first place, they park a, a distance away and they take a shuttle to the actual park. So, you know, buying land right next to the park 
and using it for a parking garage just doesn't make sense because they already shuttle their people from, from far away to the park. So if they want to add parking, build a garage on the side that they already have that's off, off property. But this being right next to the park, I would imagine that uh, we're going to be seeing some sort of attractions or entertainment venues. So there's a movie coming out this week, Dave, and it's coming out this Friday, I believe, on August 14th. Yeah, I had no idea about this until you just showed me the trailer, and so I'm so excited to see it. It is called Walt Before the Mouse. Now, this movie portrays Walt Disney before the creation of Mickey Mouse, and it portrays his business and how he started his business and d- design actually came up with the laughograms. But it goes even further than that. It, it, it details and outlines his, his childhood and where he was raised in Marceline, Missouri and the troubles he would get into and the sketches he would create and how everyone thought they were wonderful and awesome. And at the age of, what, six or seven, he was sketching and selling his sketches to people around the area back home in Marceline, Missouri, which is just a couple hours down the road for us. And then eventually he started laughograms. And the movie also, I believe, portrays from the, from the trailer, kind of teases you, I believe at one point, you know, Early on in his career, he was selling off his his drawings uh, to other, uh, I guess, uh, what would you call them, buyers, and that's when he lost Oswald the Rabbit. Yeah, you know, like any movie, it's got its highs and lows. So it shows the lows, which is this is also just as important in the history of Walt Disney, the man. Uh, you you see those those lows in his life and the things that. Maybe he didn't do so great, and that, that's what makes the movie such a good movie, probably. You know, like all good movies, it does have that, that roller coaster up and down, highs and lows, but this one is of the man, Walt Disney. And, uh, you know, I've been a little historian here about, about Disney myself, and reading about him and then seeing, seeing that come to life in a movie form is, is going to be pretty cool for me. Yeah, I, I can't wait. And um, that's released this Friday, August 14th, and it's only on DVD. And I just really can't wait for this movie to come out. Go ahead and check it out online. I believe it's www.waltbeforethemouse.com. If you can't find it that way, go ahead and Google it. But Dave, I would like for you, if you could, Dave, could you put this up on our show notes? Yeah, that'll definitely be attached to our show uh, if you look on to the notes. We'll post a direct link to it. And I was also going to talk to you about September has a PBS American uh Wait while he looks it up on his computer. Uh, I want to say it's the right thing. It's the American Experiences series has a Walt Disney show coming out, and I'm I'm really looking forward to this documentary because PBS has some super documentaries. If you ever get into them, you should check them out. But this one, especially on the life of Walt Disney. All right, so you know what, Dave? Uh, We're doing something new on on our podcast. We have uh, Disneyland Insider. We have been getting a ton of downloads, Dave, and listeners from Anaheim. Specifically in yeah, we California, appreciate that. we do definitely appreciate you, listeners out there. Yeah, more than uh, you Orlando, or what would you call them, Orlandians, or whatever Ooh, I don't out know there. About more, man, we're uh, calling out the people from Orlando. It, that, yes, we are. So we see that a, a lot of people from California are listening to our podcast. So thank you so much. We actually have a Disneyland Periscope Insider, Ethan. So I want you to check him out, Ethan underscore Vids at Periscope. That's also his Twitter. So hit him up and send him a message. Ethan goes. You go to the park. What? Maybe two, three times a week. Ethan, you at least try to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm here uh, two, three times a week. And you're at How one of my that? favorite parks. I love Disneyland. And you're out at Disneyland today. I believe you were over at California Adventure. Are you still there right now? 
Uh, yes, we actually just got off of Grizzly River Run. Outstanding. What have you done so far today over there? Uh, you know, we've done a couple rides. We've done a state, uh, Matterhorn. Uh, we did Tides of the Caribbean. Uh, California Streaming. Grizzly River Run. And a lot more to come. <laughs> We're going to be here all day. So you're bouncing back from uh, Disneyland to California Adventure back and forth. Yeah, we're going over to Disneyland right now. Oh, cool, dude. So we're jumping the... That's neat to have the that's neat to have the pleasure to bounce back between both parks. That's outstanding. Yeah. So real yeah, quick, definitely. I want to recap on you, you mentioned this earlier uh, when you and I spoke before with the whole uh, selfie stick thing. I don't mean to keep beating a dead horse, but one thing yeah. I want to bring up: we all know that selfie sticks have been uh, basically banned at the parks. You said you're starting to see something else now. You're starting to see more and more people bring what into the parks instead of a selfie stick? Um, people are bringing tripods and using them as selfie sticks. It's the most funny thing ever. You know, they'll take a tripod and they'll hold it up in the air just like a selfie stick. I've seen it a couple of times. And that's bigger and, and, and thicker and probably heavier in most cases. So that you yeah, would think that, that would cause more damage than a selfie stick, you would think, right? Yeah, you would think so, but the whole thing is if it's on the ground, then it's okay. So you're allowed to bring monopods, just not anything that can't help. Got it. How's, uh, how's the 60th uh, anniversary, diamond anniversary going? It's pretty awesome. It's a lot of blue and diamonds. <laughs> right. They are bedazzling everything out there. I see all the advertisements, and uh, everything has the diamond on it. Uh, yeah. What have they even, added? Even, what, have, what have they added for the celebration? Um... You know, I know Peter Pan just opened, uh, besides all like the blue stuff that they've added, um, they have the new fireworks show and the new paint the night parade. Uh, those are really cool. And that's pretty much like the biggest stuff they've added. Yeah. The paint the night parade is, is pretty cool. I've seen that on Periscope. Uh, quite a bit and I gotta say man that beats anything and people are gonna hate me for saying this but that beats anything that happens on at the Magic Kingdom over in Orlando Uh, that paint the night parade is pretty amazing yeah it's pretty awesome it's a lot it's very bright (laughs) yeah I'll give you that yeah that's pretty cool any uh anything else new going on at the parks between both parks anything Um, new or any rumors you've heard of nothing much really Uh, I know that they so it was a couple weeks ago they were talking about going over uh, the speculation by going over a billion dollar renovation but uh, that's just speculation nothing exactly has been announced other than that really that's a really bi- all I've heard so far a billion dollar renovation to the parks? Yeah. To both parks or yeah. just one? Um, they, it may be and people are speculating that it may be in addition to another land um, it will not be another gate, though, like another park, but it may be kind of like uh, Orlando is, where you have to take a monorail to the other land. Oh, wow. I wonder where they're going to... You know, I, Dave and I talked about that a few shows ago, because we had caught wind on the same thing, and um, we were wondering where they were going to put it, because right there in Anaheim, you pretty much just have a limited amount of space, and they've pretty much filled it already. Besides yeah. tearing something down, I don't know quite where they would put it. Hold on. Yeah, there's Hold speculation. On. Hold on. Hold on. Dude. All right, dude. The our announcement thing went off. I'm here at school. So Dave and uh, I. No. 
so Dave and I talked about that a few uh, shows ago. You know, uh, there at Disneyland, you pretty much only have a limited amount of space. We had heard the same rumor. We just don't know where they would put this extra land. Yeah, I've seen a couple things where it's uh, they're saying that it will be, and they will be taking out a parking lot and then putting it there and then adding another parking structure. Got it. Okay. So like yeah. uh, maybe like a parking garage or something. Yeah, I think yeah, there's big huge parking structure. There's rumors that they're that they're testing. They're going to try to test that out at uh, um, what is now called right now Disney Hollywood Studios, which is going to be revealed to a new name here in a couple of weeks. But we had caught rumor out there that they're thinking about putting a parking garage out there as well because of expansion. But that sounds great, man. So um, what do you guys uh, you're probably there with a friend right now. What are you guys uh, off to right now? You're heading back to Disneyland. And uh, what are you guys going to gra- uh, catch a ride on? Uh, right now, as we cross over, we're going to go eat some lunch, and then we're going to probably hit up Space Mountain because we have some fast passes and just see wherever Disneyland takes us. Outstanding, man. Hey, buddy, you have a magical day, and I want to thank you again for coming on the Mousecapades podcast. Uh, where can, yeah, our, yeah, no where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Periscope at Ethan underscore vids and all my other social media, Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff is the same. Outstanding, Ethan. Hey, man, thanks again for coming on our show, and we will look forward uh, to talking with you again next week if we get the opportunity. All right, bud? Thanks again, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hey, bye-bye. Have a magical day, bud. Hey, you too. Bye-bye. So that was Ethan. Go ahead and follow him at Ethan underscore vids on Periscope and Twitter. So send him some messages. Hey, Dave, you know what? It's that time. Take us back. We're traveling backwards in time. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. That's right. It's great to be back, listeners. Back to this week in Disney history. We're going to start off with August 9th, 1934. This was the day that Walt Disney first pitched Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to his animators. Kind of gave them a little timeline of what was going to happen in the movie, some ups and downs like we talked about in the news, uh, which what makes it a good movie. And he first pitched his, his, his greatest achievement, his first great achievement anyway, to his animators on this date, August 9th, 1934. And a cool thing about that, you know, that pitch, he had to sell that movie, Dave, uh, to his animators, and this would have been the first time his animators animated a real person in a cartoon. Before that, with uh, laughograms and then morphing into the silly symphonies, it was all animal. So this was the very first time that the animators were tasked with a real live human being. His first stroke of genius here, August 9th, 1934. Okay, that same day, August 9th, 1969, this is the day that the Haunted Mansion attraction opens at the New Orleans Square in Disneyland Park. This is crazy good ride, and it's so realistic that my daughter didn't even want to ride it. We went to Disneyland, and she would not get on the Haunted Mansion ride. Now, my recent trip, I will tell you that we did ride the Haunted Mansion at Magic Kingdom, and she loved it, and we even rode it at night, but she would not step foot inside of the Disneyland Haunted Mansion. This date in Disney history, August 9th, 1969, the day that the ride opened. Another cool fact about this, Nick, I'm going to throw at you is that they had a local radio station do a contest and a family actually won a trip where they would spend the night in the Haunted Mansion. Would you do that? Of course I would do that. I would definitely do that. So the deal is they got in at midnight, set up camp inside the Haunted Mansion and had to sleep there until 6 a.m. the next morning where they got kicked out. So I thought that would be so cool to do. Was everything up and running? 
Yeah, this was this was the weekend that the actual ride opened up. So everything was brand spanking new. They may not have even seen anything beforehand. So they're going into a brand new experience and spending the night um, inside of the Haunted Mansion. Just so cool. I think that they should do a Disney Dream Suite inside the Haunted Mansion. That would be awesome today to even do that. You know, just fall asleep in your doom buggy. And just go round and round the whole time. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, August 11th, 2014, just wanted to bring this one up. This is the one-year anniversary of Robin Williams' death. Can't believe it's been a year already. Yeah, very sad to see that individual go. He's missed by many, I know. Next day, August 12th, 1919. We're going way back on this one. This is something that I thought was kind of interesting in the history notes here, Nick. And uh, being an artist, you probably will have a perspective on this one. This is the day that Dottie Roberts was born. Now, most people don't know who Dottie Roberts is, but she was the woman that was in charge of mixing paint for the Disney company. Yeah, and I've actually seen uh, photos of her and uh, video, actually, of her doing her job, by the way. If you YouTube it, she's on there. Yeah, so apparently they kept the, the secrets of their different colors a mystery, and not even the people that mixed them really knew anything about it. They knew their little part, but they didn't know the whole process of how to get the colors that the Disney company um, actually used on any of their, any of their um, animations. So she was the one that was put in charge, and they finally gave all of the information to one person. And in uh, 1972, she actually was trusted to have all of the keys and the secrets to the paint colors that Disney used. Now at the Magic Kingdom, Dave, and it's probably so. It's probably true at Disneyland as well. Um, you know what color Disney uses all over the parks, and it's a secret. No one else has the actual formula for this color. I had no idea. I know you can go to Home Depot and get the Disney colors now, though. <laughs> you can't go to Home De- Depot for for the longest time. It was Walmart, and I absolutely refused to go into that store. I will not go into Walmart and uh, to buy uh, Disney paint, but. Um, Yeah, so now you can go to Home Depot. Amazing. But the color that I'm talking about that's all over the Magic Kingdom, and you probably don't even see it because of its color, and it's funny because it's called Go Away Green. And they use this color uh, to manipulate you that you're not actually seeing that building that's in front of you because apparently that specific color tells your brain through your eyes that hey i'm not even looking at that color right now it's not even there and to be honest with you it is it is so true you don't even see it until someone points it out to you and you're like holy shnikes that building was right next to me the whole time and i didn't even realize it was there because it has the color of go away green your cousin would know that yeah the original camo it sounds like the original camouflage (laughs) The original camouflage, yes, you're absolutely right. All right, moving on, let's go. All right, so happy birthday to Dottie Roberts. Uh, 42 years, had her hand in mixing the paint for every single Disney uh, project going on in her time frame. I got one more for you in this week in Disney history, Nick. This is August 14th, 1958. This is the grand opening of the dark ride, Alice in Wonderland at the Disneyland Resort. Uh, So... They had a big ceremony, and one of the Mouseketeers dressed up as Alice for this, and just uh, the beginning of one of the classic attractions that that you don't see at at the Disney World Complex. you got to take the pilgrimage out west to see Alice in Wonderland's Dark Ride. But this date in history, August 14th, 1958, was the grand opening. And that's all I have for you in this week in Disney history.
Hey, Mousecapaders. Are you looking to make supplemental income doing what you already love to do? If you're like Dave and I, we travel every summer and those costs can get pretty expensive. I tell you what, I just got back from a very lengthy vacation. My family and I spent seven days at Walt Disney World and then another seven days at a gorgeous beach house in Myrtle Beach. And it wouldn't have been possible for us to have had such a relaxing extended vacation if it wasn't for Surge 365 and Two Tickets to Paradise. Dave will be returning soon from his vacation at the Wilderness Lodge in Walt Disney World and Daytona Beach. You heard him last week. He was surprised when he checked in that he was actually upgraded to a beautiful suite. That's just one of the many perks of being your own independent travel agent. Two Tickets to Paradise and Surge 365 can get you started earning $1,000 bonuses and getting you paid to travel. How does that sound? Two Tickets to Paradise will train people just like you to become a part-time or full-time travel agent helping others plan their next vacation. Simply contact them at travel at twotickets2paradise.net to get started today. Keep in mind, that's the numeral two. Opportunities don't go away. They just go to someone else. What if you could travel like a rock star for pennies on the dollar? What if you could earn an unlimited number of $1,000 bonuses for showing others how to do the same? What if we could show you how to become completely financially free in the most exciting, sexy, fun business on the planet? Perfect, because we have all of that with a brand new company that just launched. A company with proven management, unique and documented technology, and perfect timing. A product that everybody wants and even dreams about. And a compensation plan that pays out better than anything in the industry. It's called Surge 365. Find out how you can be a part of something big and make your travel and financial dreams come true. Timing is everything and positioning is vital. It's your time. Let's go. Welcome back to the show, listeners. This week's show is all about me. That's right. I'm taking you to the Walt Disney World Resort Complex for my most recent trip. Now, my trip was actually a little more than a week long. We went on a Thursday and left from from St. Louis and drove to a little bit south of Chattanooga, spent the night, woke up the next day, and drove down to the Orlando area. So we got into Orlando on Friday evening, and I have some family that lives down there. So shout out to my cousin, Doug. Thanks, Doug, for the night stay. What up, Doug Lando? And we woke up bright and early that next morning because we had morning reservations at the Tusker House restaurant in the Animal Kingdom. Now, this is one of the one of the keys that I think is really important. If you're booking Disney dining with kids and, and you want to go to a character breakfast, you do it before the park actually opens up. That is something that I think is so pivotal because it sets your whole day off. If you don't mind waking up early anyway, because we got up about 6, I think, for our 8 o'clock reservation because we were about 45 minutes away from the resort. So we got there, uh, got everything squared away. Because we hadn't used our magic bands yet, we had a little snafu with that, but the uh, people over at Guest Services at Animal Kingdom hooked us up. We got into the park. My kids had no idea where we were going. Uh, It was such a surprise, and and finally we had to tell Mia about halfway into the park. We're walking around, and no one's there, and she's going, what are we doing? Because no one's here. Everyone's waiting outside still. So we had to to let her in on the surprise that we were taking her to the Tusker house for the morning character breakfast. So again, such an important thing because you get that character experience and it's all taken care of before the park even opens up. So you don't waste time. Absolutely awesome. I bet she was just thrilled and excited when you finally told her. 
You know, it's funny because she listens to our podcast and I've tried so hard. And even in our, uh, the interview that you did with me, Nick, on our way down there, you talked about our reservations and you asked us a couple things. And I think you may have mentioned uh, something about the Be Our Guest restaurant and having reservations. And, and we had to play it off and say no because she was in the car and she she just had no idea about any of our reservations. And, and I've tried so hard in the past podcast to not blow any secrets. And I had to tell her one time uh, not to listen to the podcast because I did drop something in on something that we we're doing during our trip. But uh, she was so excited. And, and this, that's what the trip, you know, to get the trip off with a bang, the kids' faces were both just lit up and just smiling from ear to ear before we even got the got into the parks to do any attractions. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Dave, you even fooled me, man, and I completely forgot that you made reservations for the Be Our Guest restaurant because I believe we had recorded one of our episodes at your place, at your house, and we made the reservations either together or it was like you had just made them before I got there and you helped me out with the Be Our Guest restaurant reservations. I completely forgot that you even made those, and so when you told me in the car that you weren't sure and that you were just going to on the whim just say hey can we get in in my mind I'm thinking Dave are you crazy I can't believe you're even thinking that you're nuts you're never going to get in and it really I was really shocked Dave that you even said that because I'm like you know better than that you know better that you're not going to get in unless you flip a a hundred or two hundred dollars at someone yeah you know me better than that that's right you got to plan this stuff out that's what it's all about planning out your trip so uh, that's half the experience to me and the fun of the buildup of planning the trip so I had this thing down to the minute it almost seems like on this trip so uh, we'll talk more about that as we move along but breakfast at the Tusker house highly recommended I think it's pretty underrated actually because you got we got to see Mickey and Goofy and Donald and Daisy so I mean you got four of the Fab Five right there the only one missing from that is is uh Actually, we, we didn't get Minnie or we didn't get Pluto. So those are the two uh, of the main, you know, those main characters that, that I would have liked to see that we didn't at Tusker House. So we got most of Min before our trip even got underway. So uh, breakfast was awesome, and I highly recommend it, like I said. That just sounds cool. Tusker House. You know, like, Tusker House. Just sounds cool. And it's, uh, you know, it's themed to be a market-type place area, so you, you look like you're in some sort of... Uh, Middle Eastern market. They have the decorations hanging from the ceiling, like you were, like people had their clothes out to dry and things like that. So, uh, a pretty cool place. So, and you know what? The guava juice that they have in the morning, I think they call it Jamba juice or something like that. It's guava, pineapple, and orange juice. I think. I think that they should hook an IV up to my body for that because I could drink it all day long. You know, they have the recipe out for that. You can actually make that. Now, hold up. Go back to what you just said. A Middle Eastern town, really? I th- was it Africa? Y- yes. All right. Well, yeah. Africa kind of goes that, into the Mideast. Uh, I guess if okay. Yeah, dude. I know my geography. Two, two different continents, dude. All right. So, well, Pangea, all one. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> so then we we hit the animal kingdom pretty hard. Uh, we didn't want to stick around too long. Our breakfast wrapped up right about the time park opened, so we did not have fast passes to Animal Kingdom. We saved them for Hollywood Studios later in our trip, so uh, we got in, went straight to Everest. We did our thing at Everest, and um, we were well underway. I mean, I have never been in the queue for Expedition Everest, is what I realized when we walked through, because I guess I've always had fast passes or I've done single rider line for the ride. So it's pretty cool going through the queue and seeing all of the different, you know, Yeti, proof that they have the different uh, footprint molds and things like that so um that was awesome then we moved right along we went straight to safari um got on one of the earlier safaris the thing that was kind of disappointing to me about this and i'm i'm not exactly sure about this nick 
the last time I rode Safari, they had the whole storyline about how they were going after poachers and they were going to be saving the animals from the poachers. Did they have that on on any recent trip that you've been on? No, the last time I rode Safari, you know, we did not hit up the uh, Animal Kingdom this year because, you know, that's the hottest park out of all of them because of the humidity, because of all the trees, you know, and there's just a lot of humidity there. You feel like you're in a rainforest. You really do. It's a whole different, (laughs) it's a whole different country in itself. But the last time we rode that was back in 2014, I want to say. And they didn't have any storyline to the safari whatsoever. It was just, you're going through and you're looking at these animals. Yeah. I was kind of sad because they did have the story about the poachers. The last time I rode that, I guess it's been a while since I did. Um, so that was gone. And then we also must've had a new guide on this trip because there were two guides up front and one of them was on the speaker. So I'm assuming that she was training and, uh, you know, her story, when you're new at something, your story doesn't flow very well. And, and she did okay. But you could just tell she was in training, especially when it came to unloading the vehicle. We went around to, I think, four different places to unload the vehicle. She skipped all of them, went to the last one, and then she just grinded the tires up against the side uh, curb when we went to unload. And it took us about five minutes of her, you know, putting enough gas in the pedal to get over the curb a couple of times. And we finally were able to unload our vehicle, but it seemed like it took forever. So I hope she's learning and I hope she uses that experiences and gets better at her position because that was kind of a disappointment to me. But, you know, the other thing about this is that they talk about how they're changing up in the future here and they're going to be adding one of the nocturnal safaris to the uh to the uh, Kilimanjaro safaris. We noticed some of the construction for that. Uh, they had a, several places. They had rangers out, and they had enclosed areas that they had marked off. Maybe they used Go Away Green. I'm not sure. Um, but <laughs> but we actually saw those areas and, and where, you know, normally you'd go to the right, and maybe they're going to be taking us on a different path through through their safari. So we did notice a lot of that kind of thing on the safari too. And you know, that's Walt's dream, you know, so that's his dream coming true. The safari in itself is his dream coming true. You know, the jungle cruise was supposed to be live animals going through the jungle. And so this whole safari thing at the animal kingdom is Walt's dream that actually has come to a reality. Now the nocturnal animals, especially because I know a lot of the animals he wanted for the jungle cruise when they were supposed to be live animals turned out that they were nocturnal and we've talked about that before so that's why they had to have animatronic animals for jungle cruise so it's 2015 and walt's finally getting his wish so this is the point in our trip that we took a turn and went to go ride on dinosaur and our my party split up uh my son's two and he he can't get on dinosaur so my wife took him over to the uh Dino Land USA area, which I think is kind of lame anyway, so I'm glad I missed out on that part. She rode Triceratops Spin with him twice, while Mia and I, uh, my 11-year-old daughter, we went down to the dinosaur and stood in line for dinosaur. She, my, Mia thought that the dinosaur queue was kind of lame because all you do is go around in a circle. They do have the big replica of Sue, the dinosaur, standing in the middle of the queue. And around the outside, they have a couple of artifacts, but nothing really special. It didn't hold her attention for very long. And uh, during this time when we were in line for, uh, to ride dinosaur, it started pouring. 
and uh, Trisha and Max were on Triceratops spin. They rode it once dry, and then they were waiting in the car for it to take off the second time, and it started raining. So they had to go through the ride the second time in the rain, and they got drenched. And Mia and I, of course, we were standing inside in the queue for Dinosaur and Riding Dinosaur, so we didn't get any rain. And then as soon as we got off the ride, it stopped raining, and, you know, the remnants are still there. But uh, we, as we were walking to the car, it started back up again. But that were, those were the three attractions that we rode at Animal Kingdom, Nick. And uh, we got out of there, I think. We got there for breakfast at 8, and I think by 11, we were out of there. Outstanding, yeah. That's definitely a half-day park. And, you know, I when we went out there back in 2014, the Animal Kingdom, we weren't there long at all either. We, we rode a few rides. But I think what, what we only had our fast passes for, and we hightailed it out of there. So we were only there a few hours. It is definitely a hot park. It has a lot to offer. It's the biggest park, actually. So you're doing a lot of walking around, but it's also one of the narrowest parks, too. And what I mean by that is the walkways and a lot of bottlenecks. So you have the hottest park, narrow walkways, a lot of bottlenecks. That equals to a lot of sticky, sweaty people arm to arm, and it's just disgusting. So that's why it's probably one of my least favorite parks. But yeah, we're only there about a half a day. So good on you getting out of there. Yeah, and and just a couple of things to mention before I take off and take us to our next park. Um, the last time I was there, they had all of the barricades up around the Tree of Life doing construction, making an even a narrower gap. They did not this time. All those barricades were down. They did have a lot of barricades up around the uh, the river that flows through there so that they could get going on the uh, construction of the new nighttime show that they're going to have on the river uh, at Animal Kingdom as well. Um, something else that uh, I wanted to point out, I just mentioned Dinosaur, the ride Dinosaur. To the people in California that do our download, um, this ride is pretty much just like Indiana Jones. The ride vehicle is the same, has the same capabilities. Storyline is way different. So uh, you can check that out on YouTube, and I might even post that onto our show notes as well. So you can see uh, what Dinosaur is all about. Indiana Jones, I think, is a little better of a ride because I'm, a, I'm an Indiana Jones fan, and uh, it's got a better storyline, but the same ride vehicles, same kind of uh, surprises around every corner, just like Indiana Jones. Now, Dave, did you see any new construction on Avatar Land while you were out there? I'm sure it was there. I just didn't look very hard for it. The last time I was there in October, uh, I was able to go back scenes and see some of the construction going on. And just getting the picture in my head, like I said, we were going so fast on this trip. I didn't see any of that construction. And then one of my favorite shows that they have, and I don't know why I love this show so much, but that Finding Nemo show at Animal Kingdom, it is amazing. We just didn't have time for it. That one and the, uh, you know, the, the Lion King show that they have, which I haven't seen in the new venue that they built for it. So I, if I had more time, Sure, there are things I'd like to do. I'd like to see the Nemo show. I'd like to see the Lion King show. But we just didn't have the time. So that's going to be one of those YouTube lookups that I'll be showing with my family. You know what they did, buddy? They mixed up that paint and they uh, they mixed up Go Away Green and you just didn't see the barricades for the new Avatar Land. That That's had to be it. Coming soon. <laughs> All right, so we, we hightailed it out of there and went to the next park. We went to Disney Hollywood Studios. Now, this is the park where we did book our Fast Passes because we wanted to get in and out just like we did with Animal Kingdom, you know, on our, on our four parks one day tour that we have going down. Uh, we, we just didn't have time to stop and do a lot of the extra things that you normally would do. So we, we got out of there, went to Hollywood Studios. Uh, this was my first trip without the, without the Sorcerer's Hat. So that was interesting to see. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that down that sorcerer's hat, but now I'm thinking to myself, what is the icon for this park? And, and I, don't think it's, I don't think it's been constructed yet because, you know, all the changes that are going to go down with this park, this park desperately needs an icon, something that stands for Disney Hollywood Studios. And you know what I always said it should be, two things actually, uh, the ball and light from Pixar, you know, and the castle of Arendelle. 
Yeah, I could go definitely for the uh, the, the desk lamp from Pixar. Yes. Too. Uh, just ha- maybe have them sitting in the other ball and light, like you said. I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, so we get into the park, and it had just rained. And anybody knows, you know, being down in Florida right after a rainfall, it is humid. So we walked in, and the sun's shining now. It's like a different day we're at this park. And it's only been like 20 minutes for us to drive from one park to the next. So that's what I remember about that park is how hot it was. And it was packed for a park that hardly has anything left. It was packed in this park. Hollywood Studios? <laughs> it was packed. And well, I was so glad that we got our Fast Passes because of that. Oh my gosh, buddy. I know when we spent a whole day there, and you could run like 15, 20 feet before you ran into someone. Yeah, n- not like that at all. But one thing I wanted to check out, and we did this first before we did anything else, was we went straight to One Man's Dream because this is a museum about Walt Disney. And we, we talked a little bit in the beginning of the show about my history with Walt Disney and how it's kind of something that I've been been uh, researching a lot lately. Uh, just an amazing museum of him and the history of how he got all of his ideas and the parks. One of the things that my daughter loves, she's a huge miniature fan. So she makes all of these different, like she made Cars Land out of miniatures. And uh, she got to see all of the different parks, all of the different attractions that started out. I, I guess they keep a lot of those models that they make before they construct the rides. And just a cool thing to see. One thing though, two days, you don't have time to stay around and watch the movie that they have. So I had to look that one up as well on YouTube. Um, and that was the first time I had ever seen that movie. And it was pretty good. Now, uh, you know, do you think they're going to relocate One Man's Dream, or are they getting rid of it entirely, Dave? You know, they have to do something. That that material that they have is just too valuable to keep away from public view. So they have to construct something like that. Yeah, I don't, you know, a piece of me deep down in, Dave, I don't think they're going to get rid of it. They're going to relocate it or make it better, because if you think about it, without well, without animation, which is One Man's Dream, it's, it's all the artifacts throughout uh, Walt Disney's uh, animation career, um... You would not have the parks without the animation. They would not exist. So if you're taking out one man's dream, you're taking out the heart and soul of Walt Disney. And it's such a small attraction. It doesn't take up hardly any space at all. So I don't see why they couldn't relocate that somewhere else. Uh, But moving along in our tour here. This was the place we had our fast passes. So we had fast passes to Toy Story Mania, Tower of Terror, and uh, that's when my family broke up again and went into two groups. I took Mia to Star Tours and uh, my wife and son... We, they went to the Little Mermaid show. Point being on this is that it was time for my son to take a nap, and what better place to take a nap than in a dark theater? Uh, the Little Mermaid probably would have held his attention for about five minutes, and that was the plan, was to get him down for a nap at that point. Sad to say it didn't happen. He's too big of a trooper for that. They didn't even make it to the Little Mermaid show, as a matter of fact. We did Toy Story Tower, or we did Toy Story Mania, and this was the first time that he rode in the car with me for Toy Story Mania. The kid actually scored points. Two years old, and he's scoring points at Toy Story Mania already. He had 250 points. I have no idea how he did it. It's technology, man. They, they, pick on fa- they pick up fast on what's going on around them and their environment. It's crazy sick. So then the next fast pass we had was Toy Story, sorry, the next fast pass we had was the Tower of Terror. And for this one, we did Ride Swap because, again, two-year-old, not riding Tower of Terror. So I let my wife go with, with my daughter on uh, Tower of Terror, did Ride Swap, finished Ride Swap, and Mia decides she doesn't want to ride anymore. Uh, what? Yeah. So <laughs> I rode it by myself. What are you going to do? Oh, man. So I, I rode the Tower of Terror by myself. Uh, thank you to the two people that sat next to me and kind of included me in their group for that. Uh, one of the things I thought was pretty cool, and I didn't realize this until we were done, is that the photo pass they have, it's got a video now of Tower of Terror. 
So when you preview your pictures, if you do PhotoPass, they have a, a video of the Tower of Terror, the, the big drop at the beginning, they have inside the car a video camera that takes your reaction as you go down. They do the same thing with the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, yep. by the way, as well. Yep. Um, you know, I can't laugh at Mia, though, in all honesty, because I won't even touch that ride, to be honest with you. Love that ride. It's one of the greatest. And, and as soon as I said that they were going to be doing some major changes to... Hollywood Studios, the first thing that came out of my family's mouth was, what are they going to do with the Tower of Terror? And I said, don't worry, it's going to stay. There's some staples that are going to be staying. Matter of fact, they were really enthused to see the news that uh, they're adding a second track, or a third track to Toy Story Mania, because if we didn't have our fast passes, the wait for that line was over an hour. So wait a minute, they're adding a third track. That's right. Um, so that's probably going to stay put right where it's at if they're investing the time and money right now to put that third track Yeah, in. that's not moving. It's not going anywhere. Uh, they're going to have to work around that one. But the, the talk is is that they're getting rid of One Man's Dream and they're getting rid of the Little Mermaid show. I can't believe they're getting rid of One Man's Dream. That, to me, seriously, and, and the listeners probably agree, that's the heart and soul of Disney. You would not have the parks if it wasn't for the animation. I'm sure that they will find a place to put it. I'm positive about that. Um, so back to the trip. From that point on, um, we tested out the rock and roller coaster. The wait for that was about an hour and 15 minutes, and it was just, just my daughter and I going on that. So we decided to check out the single rider line, which I knew she wasn't going to ride because this was her first time. She's only been on a roller coaster that's gone upside down one other time, and that was California Screaming, and you can totally see where you're going on that. So this one's got, you know, rock and roller coaster's got corkscrews, it's got loops, it's got, I mean, it's got everything, plus you're in the dark. So... She wasn't too keen on riding this ride by herself. So I tried to convince her. We went up to the one or to the uh, single rider line in this and saw that it was only about 10 minutes or so, but I just could not convince her to ride it, which I completely understand. Wait a minute. So Mia, how old, how old is Mia? She's 11. Okay, so she was nine when she went to Disneyland and, and rode California Screaming? Mm, yeah, maybe. Yes, she was nine. Good for her. Yeah, we've got a priceless picture of her face before and after the ride. <laughs> that was a fun ride. I know you and I rode that like Several a times. gazillion times. Uh, Mia, good on you, man. That's awesome. And uh, sorry to hear you couldn't get on the uh, rock and roller coaster. It is a fun ride. So that's the next trip. We've got that one marked down. She's going on it next trip. Um, from that point on, like I said, my group separated, and Trish decided instead of going into the uh, show that she was just going to take a little walk with Max and maybe try and get him and take a nap. And Mia and I went and did Star Tours, and uh, that was pretty cool. We had the Fast Pass for it, so it was again, it was one of those things that was in and out, and there we go. Yeah, I just want to say thanks for sending me a picture of that at-at you were thinking about me when you were standing in line for, our store, for Star Tours, because you know that is one of my favorite rides, and Colin and I rode that along with my wife as well, just time and time again. It was awesome. So thanks for that picture. Yeah, and you could have given me a million dollars, and I would have never said that that was called an at-at. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, I watch Star Wars, but I don't know all that stuff. I'm, I'm super excited about the one coming up in December, and I'm trying to learn a little bit more, but I'm just not quite there yet. You should do you Instagram, Dave. There's Someone has a Chewbacca uh, Instagram page that has a mini tiny Chewy about the size of your hand and little itty bitty Mickey Mouse ears that he puts on top of Chewy or she I don't even know who who runs the uh, Instagram account but the, Chewy it has his picture taken with his Mickey Mouse ears at all the parks like all day long so this person is obviously an annual pass holder and uh, so it's just Chewy pics it, it's pretty cool that's ridiculous 
All right, so we're out of there. We leave Disney Hollywood Studios, and uh, it's time for us to drop the car off, drop the bags off, and check in in our hotel. So for this stay, we decided that we were going to be staying at Wilderness Lodge. Um, we took advantage of the summer specials, like I said in an earlier podcast, and got a pretty good deal. We don't usually stay at, at deluxe resorts because, again, I'm a teacher. So uh, we can barely afford, afford the... Uh, value resort so we, we yeah now since especially now sorry Dave I had to cut you off especially now since Prop Y didn't pass um, <laughs> you know we're probably going to be in a, actually I know we're going to be on a salary freeze here jeez uh, for five plus years so no raises for us and uh, we already make peanuts as it is so I just I just want to throw that in yeah so we're value resort guys and staying at this deluxe I thought I was going to be completely out of place um, got there checked in First of all, going in, the place is beautiful. Had a little bit of construction going on on the main lodge, so they had scaffolding up, which is a running joke between my wife and I because it seems like everywhere we go, we always encounter the scaffolding of, of some sort of construction. So that was pretty funny, but it wasn't, totally wasn't a big deal at all. So we go into the check-in area. We had you know booked our reservation, and I checked in online in advance, so I, I didn't have too big of a wait. Got up to the counter and find out that the, uh, the lady says, we've got you down for a two-bedroom villa. And I look back at my wife real fast, and I look back at the lady, and it reminds me of an old commercial that I saw for Budweiser that said, are you Dr. Galakowitz? And the guy clearly is not, and he says, well, yes, I am, because they have uh, Bud Light in their vehicle. So I was reminded of that old commercial. So I looked at the lady straight in the face, and I said, yes, you do have us down for a two-bedroom villa. Thank you very much. You can thank Two Tickets to Paradise for that one, buddy, giving you the hookup. <laughs> so we go to uh, our room, and at first, me is a little disappointed. I think that uh, I think she was actually just tired, but she was a little disappointed because I told her we weren't staying in the main lodge. But when you when you saw all of our faces, we opened the door to our room, and this was like an apartment, two bedroom apartment, two full baths. Uh, you know, the master has a king size bed. The other room has two queens. Unbelievable place. And just to think that it was, you know, 500 yards from the Magic Kingdom's front entrance was even made it better. So we looked up this deal once we got home and realized that this room sells for over $1,000 a night to stay at this place that we stayed at. And I don't know uh, how we ended up with it, and I don't know who to thank, but it was an amazing deal. Wait a minute. You don't know who to thank. Dude, to... I told you, two tickets to paradise. Our boys over two tickets to paradise called and got you the upgrade on that one, man. So we got in, you know, took care of all of our business at the hotel, unpacked our bag, felt kind of guilty because we only really stayed there for about an hour and a half before we went back out to the parks. But just uh, spent a little bit of time out on the balcony, which looked over Bay Lake. Just a beautiful place and highly recommend any of you Disney Vacation Club members, uh, this is your place. So you should book it because it's an awesome, awesome experience and, and so underrated for being one of the deluxe resorts. You're just a three-minute boat ride away from the, step, from the gates of the Magic Kingdom. So unbelievable. So anyway, we left and uh, we had to do a little bit of movement here to, to do the transportation because now we're on Disney's transportation. And so we went, uh, we took a bus, I think, to the Magic Kingdom and then hopped on the monorail to Epcot, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, in, in the transition from hotel to, to Epcot, did I just say Magic Kingdom? Yeah. In, in our uh, transition to Epcot, we actually uh, had Max 
just pass out. Just passed out. The kid was done. And no matter what we did, we just couldn't wake him up. Now, he was sleeping. He wasn't really passed out. We knew there wasn't anything wrong with him. He was just overexhausted, and he had reached his limit. So it was a good thing that he was he was done for the night. So we, we got to Epcot maybe around 6, and uh, we decided to do some of the rides that we could actually get on. So I think we did Living with the Land, and we did... Um, test track no we did not do test track not yet um i'm trying to think of some of the some of the lesser known rides i guess, I guess that's all we did was live in the land and, and test track for that night but me, me and i stood in line for test track and it was over an hour we were going to do ride swap and uh little did we know that there was nobody standing at the front to give us the ride swap badge and we got all the way up to the front of the ride and asked them for the ride swap badge and they they couldn't help us out so this was one part of the trip where i thought the cast members could have been a little more helpful and they weren't. There was about three or four that we asked, and every single one of them, I could tell that they were busy, but every single one of them said, uh, you know, why don't you ask the next person? And they kept, they kept passing the buck, and then finally we're on the ride, and, and we couldn't do anything anymore. So it ended up being an okay thing because by the time we got out of the ride, it was time to find our spot for illuminations. But I thought that they, they could have done a little better job rather than just pass the buck. And were they college interns, Dave? Did you get a chance to look? Yeah, I looked a lot, but I didn't pay attention in this case because I was just, it was such a frenzy to get on the ride and to find things that I didn't have time to look at names. So anyway, uh, Test Track was awesome. One of the things that I'm sure I just missed the last time I rode this, I've only r- ridden on the remodeled version of Test Track one time, and we had fast passes, and I was with, I was, uh, I, w- I don't remember the big room where you go in and design your car. So I don't, I don't know if maybe I wrote it, you know, when it was pretty brand new and they didn't have that room available yet, but I remember little stations along the way when you were doing your wait. I don't remember the big room where you go in and everybody animates what their car is going to look like at the same time. Yeah, I think, it, it, I think they used to be in the line queue uh, around the bend. That's what I remember. And now you go into a room. Yeah, so that room was probably pretty well deserved because... I just remember doing this the first time in the line and along the way, and it seemed like every time I wanted to get down to business and design my car, the line was moving again. So uh, kudos to whoever came up with that idea and came up with the space for that. Great idea. I let Mia design our car, and she was so excited that our car design was the first in in our car for three of the four um, benchmarks and second place on the last benchmark. So we designed a real winner of a car, and uh, good job, Mia, on that one. So she, she should become an engineer when it comes to designing vehicles, not, not an Imagineer. Well, that's, that's a possibility, but I bet that if Disney decides that they want to go into the car market, she's all over it. Hey, I, you know what? That's a great idea. Disney cars and theme them towards specific characters. There you go, buddy. They, they have New Balance shoes, so I don't know why they couldn't do that. Um, so then we get out of test track and Max is still crashed. My son is still crashed for the night and we get our spot for illuminations. We didn't try to go all over the place. We just went right inside the main drag, uh, and went over by Canada and found us a spot that we could climb up onto the wall and, uh, take a seat. When the show got started, we, we were able to stand up on that wall and get a pretty good view of everything. The people around us were amazed because, you know, Illuminations isn't really a quiet show, and there's fireworks going off all over the place. Everything crazy is going on. You got flames. Max is still sleeping. Dude could not be woken up for anything. So everybody around us was was going, whoa, 
I can't believe he's still sleeping. And, and we just looked and shook our head and said, we can. So that completes our first day, with the exception of Mia and I. Mia and I decided that we were going to do this four parks in one day. We headed off to the Magic Kingdom. We dropped off my wife and son at Wilderness Lodge, and her and I took off on our nighttime experience with Extra Magic Hours. And in that Extra Magic Hour time, we did the Jungle Cruise, we did Buzz Lightyear, we did Splash Mountain, we did the Haunted Mansion, and by that time it was one o'clock and she was done for the night, and I have to say I was done for the night as well. So um, the Extra Magic Hours, we took full advantage of those, got on some classic attractions, no more than a 20 minute wait on any of those things. And uh, when it was all said and done, I think we hit about 13 rides for the day um, at four different parks. Yeah, man, what a what a journey, what an adventure, and I gotta say, you conquered all four parks. Yeah, so then the next day, uh, after being exhausted and doing four parks in one day, the next day we woke up for a rope drop at Magic Kingdom, and our plan was to get there for the welcome ceremony, and we were on our boat from Wilderness Lodge on the way to the Magic Kingdom when we saw the fireworks go off for the welcome song, and... We were kind of bummed, but we've seen it before, so that's no big deal. We got in pretty much when the park opened up, and that's what you have to do, listeners. If you ever go to the Magic Kingdom, you have got to get there early because I think we rode five or six rides within the first within the first hour, maybe hour and a half. And then the last tip I have for you about Magic Kingdom is that you take full advantage of those fast passes. Space your fast passes out, even if they're back-to-back, hour, hour, hour fast passes. Do things in between them, because we were able to do a fast pass and then ride something else, and then do a fast pass, and then maybe even fit in two rides before the next fast pass was up. So don't just sit there and wait for your fast passes to come available. Do some other things in between your fast passes. So when all was said and done, we did everything that we wanted to do at Magic Kingdom, and then we head back to Epcot, because there were some things at Epcot that we wanted to do the night before that we just never got a chance to do because of time constraints. So we finished our trip out at Epcot, and um, we hit up some of the smaller rides. Like I said earlier, we hit up uh, Living with the Land again. We did Figment. We did the Three Caballeros, which I actually found this time. Last time I was there, I made a comment about how I couldn't find it, and this time I was determined, man. And it's so easy to find. I don't know what my problem was the last time, but we found it. And uh, so Max and I did all of those rides while Trish and Mia went through and did Soren. They had, we had to wait in line because we didn't fast passes for Soren, but... Uh, the wait was a little more than an hour, and Max and I uh, went and did some of those other smaller rides, and he just absolutely loved Figment. Journey of the Imagination is his favorite ride. I couldn't believe how much he liked that ride, so uh, we'll be sure to take him back on that one. And, and for littler kids, I think that's a pretty cool ride to do. And then finally, uh, Mia and I rode Soren on the ride swap, so after she rode it once, uh, that's a cool thing for kids to do, is that she actually got to ride the ride twice in a row, and so her and I did Soren, and when that was all done, they took off and went around the um, around the international part of the Epcot, and and Max and I stuck around and did Spaceship Earth one more time. And when all was said and done, uh, our journey came to a close with a with a meet and greet with Mickey and and Goofy. Um, being a Disney card holder, I was able to get into the private meet and greet session. So that's how we ended our trip, and a, a two day trip that was exhausting but an amazing journey. So after all of that, we decided to head back to uh, Daytona Beach where my family goes on vacation pretty much every year. My extended fam, my, my dad, my sister's family go there. And so we decided to join them for about five days of resting and relaxation after our crazy journey through Disney. And after five days, I talked my family into going back down to Disney. And this time, no passes, 
No tickets, no fast passes, nothing. We decided that we were going to actually just experience the downtown Disney area and then check out a few of the resorts that I've never been to before that, that have had some changes. So um, we took full advantage of the Disney transportation system at this point. So anybody out there that... Uh, has issues with the Disney transportation system, you just have to know how to work it because what we did was we went to downtown Disney, checked out all the renovation with Disney, Disney Springs and everything, and then we boarded a boat and took it down the Sasagula River and went into the Port Orleans um, French Quarter and Port Orleans Riverside and checked out all that those resorts had to offer. You know, I, I think I've convinced my family that that's going to be a place that we stay here in the future. And, you know, we stayed and had beignets at their quick serve. So we just kind of walked around and looked at the beautiful place. And once we left there, we hopped on a bus to the Magic Kingdom and then took the monorail on over to the Polynesian to check out the new refurbishments. I was kind of sad, Nick. We went into Trader Sam's and it was closed. We, we got there at like three o'clock and they don't even open till four. So I was so excited to get in there and, and have me one of those fancy brew or fancy concoctions that they come up with. They just... They weren't open yet, so I couldn't do it. Uh, we did get a chance to show my family the bungalows that they have out on Seven Seas Lagoon, so that was pretty cool, and, and check out the lobby on the inside and how it was remodeled in the pool area. So we just went around and did all of the uh, uh, sightseeing around the Polynesian Resort, and one of these days I will be staying at the Polynesian Resort. And then finally, when we left there, hopped back on the monorail to the Magic Kingdom and caught a bus to uh, the Art of Animation, which I know is one of your favorite places. Yeah, the art of animation is pretty cool. My family and I, we go there uh, every year. And, uh, you know, next year we're thinking about Pop Century, kind of changing it up. But the art of animation, being uh, a junior animator myself and just an artist, I absolutely love that uh, resort because they have all these sketches and all over the walls and these chandeliers that they created and, you know, some sketches from John Lasseter and some of his creations. And it's just really neat, very cool, great music, great atmosphere, good food, good resort. Yeah, and we lucked out because they had two Disney villains that were standing there doing their autograph and picture session uh, for people that checked in. I, I figured out later that we, we got there right at check-in time. So we got to see the Queen from Snow White and Cruella DeVille, two characters. And I never thought on this day that I would be pulling out the autograph book to see uh, two characters with my with my daughter and son. But we, we did. We did it on the day that we had no kind of um, obligation to Disney whatsoever. So that was pretty cool. And we also convinced my daughter, she convinced us actually, that this is where we indeed will be staying the next time we come to the parks. So uh, overall, just a, a good day. Got to see some cool things that I didn't see before, like I said, have had some changes since the last time I've seen them. One thing that we also planned on this day, we planned to go visit one of the two miniature golf courses. The weather just didn't allow for that, and frankly, the time didn't allow for it, because by the time we were finished with all of our touring, it was uh, about dinner time, and it was time for us to head out anyway. So um, that was the the end of our experience on both Disney and, and the end of our trip, because the next day, I had to drive 17 and a half hours back to St. Louis, and the day after that, we had to start school. So... Overall, a good trip. Um, so bummed that I probably won't be able to get down there again for a while, but uh, I wish I was there right now. But yeah, that's that's the experience that we had this time around, Nick. What do we have going on in the future for, for future podcasts? I've been out of the loop for a while, so tell us what's going on. All right, in the future, coming up like this next month, man, uh, we have a lot of stuff lined up for you. Uh, Brian Collins, a former Imagineer, is going to come on to our podcast, and uh, he wants to put an educational twist to uh, his segment since we are both teachers, and he'll be speaking to, to you know, 
to elementary school kids, but he he wants to go ahead and do an educational bit on it and uh, probably talk about like the physics of the different rides and roller coasters uh, at the parks. And I know you being in fourth grade, Dave, you do the whole Rube Goldberg thing and you, you, you guys construct roller coasters and with different angles and and do the math on that one so that's that's kind of above my head but i know you guys do that yeah newton's laws we do it we make roller coasters out of insulation pipe and marbles and yeah and and your fourth graders actually do the math to to see if it's going to work first right so they add up the combined height of the hills and and see if they can make it um their drop at the beginning has to add up to the the total height of the combined hills that that they've designed for their roller coaster so that's what we do in fourth grade all right so yeah we got brian collins that will be joining our, our show shortly we also have uh two twins that uh um, here locally uh, in the St. Peter's area. Actually, they live in O'Fallon. Two twins that took a graduation trip out to Disneyland and their parents paid for basically a Southern California pass for them where they went all over the place and out to Disneyland. And so we're going to be speaking with them. Also, we have Mason. Uh, and look him up on, let's see, Instagram. Uh, Mason underscore illustrations and uh, we met him at the Art of Animation an amazing kiddo I've talked about him in the past with all of his illustrations and drawings and stuff so he'll be coming on the podcast as well um, we're going to try to get Leonard Kinsey and Philip on talking about Dark Side of Disney and the documentary that was created but next week you know I can go one of either way or one of uh, two ways Dave you know I was thinking about you know Walt Disney himself was a very devout Christian and a lot of his Christian views are portrayed in his uh, silly symphonies. And so, you know, I was thinking about maybe doing God and Disney and, and how God played a huge role in Disney's life, and, you know, and his family. But then I also wanted to, to do, and I was thinking about the documentary of Waking Sleeping Beauty. You know, that was... Uh, basically portrayed during the 70s uh, leading into the 80s and leading into the early 90s and how Disney almost went under in their animation studios and how the early 90s really just revived their career and bring in some people from Hollywood that jump-started the animation and brought in people like Elton John and Robin Williams to do voiceovers and and it's just you know it really jump-started the animation itself and so we could talk about God and Disney or we could talk about the animators in Burbank so I don't know which one I'm going to take it. We'll decide this week and we'll be recording. But if you want to text and weigh in and, and give your two thoughts or two cents on, on what you think we should do, you know, God and Disney or Waking Sleeping Beauty, the documentary about the animators out in Burbank, go ahead and text us at 407-674-0414. So yeah, that Waking Sleeping Beauty flick is pretty cool. It's a good story to tell um, about the battle between the old and the new animators. So I, I like that one a lot. Yeah, so don't forget to text us, 407-674-0414. I just want to give some shout-outs. I want to say, you know, hey, Mario, the popcorn cook right inside the Magic Kingdom, thanks for filling up that popcorn all the way to the top and packing it tight. Uh <laughs> That did not sound good, but anywho, no, thanks for uh, filling up the popcorn. And I also want to say, you know, Ethan from Disneyland, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Jeremy in Colorado, uh, again, thanks for listening to the podcast, brother. And uh, my dad, if you're still li- listening, God bless you. And uh, Jose Infantanis, uh down in Puerto Rico, man, you're my brother, brother from another mother. So I just want to say thanks for listening as well. Okay, so that whole Mario thing has got me all uh, crazy. So anyway, all right. So thanks for listening to the show. Peace. Peace. Have a magical day.
Thank you.